Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Right. So my flies. Yeah. Tell me about your flies. <laughs> I d- right. This may be me in like quarantine brain spiraling. Right. <laughs> I've had like in the past four days, mm-hmm. maybe three, three, four days, I've released out of my flat 40 flies. Mm, that's too many. That's too, like, that's, that's a lot. That's a and, lot. And like my windows have been closed. Yeah. For the, for the most part. I've cleaned out my bin. Okay. I, 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 I don't keep food anywhere yeah. else you're not the kind of person who has like a cookie in the bottom of your bed that's been there for like three no. weeks and also i'm pretty sure like houseflies just do meat mm. right like because it's drosophila like the wee ones uh-huh. that do fruit yeah fine with them you can't get rid of it. that's fine your your bio but, degree like, is showing yeah thank you drosophila melanogaster my good old <laughs> pal but these other flies and so now i'm like is one of my neighbors dead Ooh. That happened to me. What? (laughs) (laughs) Will somebody get us another drink? Hello, and welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour. I'm Tommy. And I'm Jimmy. And this is the only musical theater podcast with whiskey on the rocks. And sparkly frocks. I tried to say that like you. Here, we take apart your favorite shows, (laughs) muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Jimmy... What you drinking today? Um, He's thinking. I'm thinking. Deep in thought. I'm drinking. Like, I don't know. We finally... Whatever it is, I'm just going to swallow it down. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. I'm with not the, very good at these. With the Foley work, even. I know. That's all I can provide. <laughs> Quick, get some coconuts and make a, a horse... <laughs> Oh, I just thought you meant for like no, dancing. for dance. No, he started. Jimmy started uh, showing what his mama gave him. Um. Yes, 
Thanks, Mum. Um, <laughs> hey, why am I talking about my mum? Nobody knows. Uh, our next episode features the latest outing of a composer who has been referred to as God in their past. Nobody has any taste in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I barely understand this question anyway. And I know you said our next episode, but you mean this episode. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I just read it verbatim. <laughs> What musical is it, Jimmy? That musical is Jagged Little Pill. I still Dogma. I still don't understand. Like, was this just not a film in the United States? This might be. I think you're the only person who's seen this film. Uh, apparently. Like, it's such a good film. Um, so Alanis has a... I mean, it's not a cameo, but it's kind of a cameo. She's only in one scene. That's a and cameo. She plays, she plays God. Obviously. Yeah, but can you, can, you, can you be a cameo if you're God? You know what I mean? Like, she's a very crucial role. So it doesn't feel like in it's humanity. In yeah. Um <laughs> and she explodes Ben Affleck. As we've all wanted to for years. Right? And then kisses Jay well, of Jay and Silent Bob Fame. That one too. Oh, I've wanted to for decades. It's just it's... such it's such a good film. Uh Alan Rickman, Chris Rock, Salma Hayek, Ben Affleck, Jay and Silent Bob. That is a wild cast. I it is a wild cast. I've never movie. heard of this movie, honestly. That's crazy. I mean, it was like kind of culty, but okay. still, like I don't know. I thought it was really big. Apparently not. Apparently not. Anyway, Alanis Morissette plays God in it, <laughs> and she is the composer of this show, of Jagged Little Pill, and the album it's based on. So it's got exactly um, music by Alanis Morissette and Glenn Ballard. Ballard. Mm-hmm. Ballard. 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 Who knows? Book by Diablo Cody, uh, uh, famous for. Uh, didn't she win an Academy Award for writing Juno? Um, I think she did. I yeah, think that's true. And you can feel it in this. Um, Juno came out when I was in college. Brings back a lot of college memories. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that. Um, and it was also directed by Dan Paulus, mm-hmm. who we all know of Waitress Fame, uh, the recent revivals of Hair, Pippin. It's Dan Paulus. <laughs> it is. It just is. What more um, can you all... say? <laughs> exactly. And uh, I think this is worth noting, particularly in this show, because we'll probably talk about them later, uh, Orchestrations by Mr. Tom Kitt. Of Next uh, to Normal fame. Of Next to Normal fame, exactly. And the lesser known If Then. <laughs> for us to talk about If Then, by the way. I love If Then. Anyway. Um, and yeah, as we said, it is based on the 1995 album of the same name, Jack yeah. the Little Pill. 
it's wild. Uh, it workshopped at the ART in Massachusetts in uh, 2018 and then moved to Broadway December of 19. Uh, currently in a coronavirus holding pattern, as many of the shows are. But one of the few that made the cut for the bizarre list of Tony Award <laughs> eligibility this year. The fun Tonys. These will be weird. Oh, man. If we do a Tony episode, it's going to be wild. Yeah, I feel like effectively we have the chance to, I don't know, have more broadcasting scope than they do. I don't know. I know. Isn't that, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, I feel like I could tell you, I, I would be more confident in predicting the outcome of musical theater awards in this Tony Awards than I've felt ever before. I think that's fair. I think <laughs> even, even the years when it's just one person, even in when the even during Hamilton year, like <laughs> I still feel more confident about this year. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, no, it'll be interesting. Um, so yeah, Jack and Little Pill. T- what's your experience with Alanis Morissette, Tommy? So I, what has been wild to me about listening to so this musical uh, did I, I started listening to it, listening to it for the first time for this episode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, unlike some shows we do where I have a casual understanding of them beforehand, this one was new to me in prepping for this show. Um, I certainly know the Alanis Morissette hits, but there are some deep cuts on this album uh, that were not, that I had never heard before. And then plenty plenty of songs where, like, the beginning, I'm like, huh, I don't recognize this. And then it hits the chorus. I'm like, oh, yeah, this song. Okay. Yep. Got it. Um, You know, I I was a nerdy musical theater indoor kid in high school and middle school. And so this sort of pop music would have gone way past me. Um, which has made it interesting. I, you know, I was able to approach this as a musical first, not being terribly in love with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I wonder, like, what's your experience? Did you, were you... Uh, I have extensive you... experience with Lannis I think I first listened to Jagged Little Pill in, like, early 2000s, like 2001 or something. I got it out of the library... Wow. Which is what you used to do with cast recordings, yeah, right? Yeah, it is what I used to do with cast recordings. You were doing it with cast I was doing it with singer-songwriters. You're a much, a much cooler middle schooler than me. I, I just have. Um, yeah, because, like, I mean, my, my dad's a musician, so I was always kind of brought up with the, sure. uh, you know, singer-songwriter, just quite good taste. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I've, I've been listening for ages. I've seen her live. She came to Glasgow. Um, okay. That was an incredible gig. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so that's quite cool that we've got these two... Yeah different perspectives well, and i'm i'm curious because i i come at this from a, a a pocket of ignorance like it seems like jaggy little pill has been in workshops for almost you know just shy of a decade um like started in 2013 reportedly and like was this a big is this a big deal in Morissette fandom or kind of a uh, a sidebar to it? In this, it, like, I don't think there were huge swaths of people who were like, oh, yes, the ABBA musical, Mamma Mia is finally happening. You know what I mean? Right. But perhaps American Idiot is on the other side of that. Like, there were, you know, grungy teens who were like, yeah, my jam on stage now, <laughs> you know? And so, like, yeah. I, and I don't have a sense of where this show falls on it's like fan base and fan service well i think like particularly with this show um i think the reason why it's, it's taken so long is because people have been vying for jack a little pill the musical mm-hmm. for a long 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 time okay. um but she's always said no because it's uh people would want it to be about her mm. they've always wanted it to be a biopic musical sure. about her life and her thing is just like well my life is my story that's my story i don't want someone else to write that yeah um 
And so I think when uh, I think it was Diablo Cody and Diabolus together approached her, pitched with it this, to Alanis this okay. idea, um, and yeah, she was on board with this obviously completely original story. Yeah, um, sure. And she's been like, like very intrinsic throughout the whole thing, and it's kind of mm-hmm. been like, if it's bad, that's on me, which mm-hmm. I feel is really interesting. Yeah, I don't think Abba was doing that with do. Mamma Mia. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it's just like it, it. It's as much her show as it is anyone else's. It's not like here's this bank of music and we've got permission to do right. this. Right. It's like I've brought this forward. You know, what I mean, yeah. I've wanted this to tell a certain story, etc. Yeah. Um, and I think the whole um, process has been extremely collaborative between mm-hmm. the three of them. Yeah. Uh, which is great. It's that's really, awesome. really great. That's, that's the dream, ain't it? Well, mm-hmm. shall we dive in? Sploosh. Yes. That was Jimmy diving. Sploosh. Just oh my God, do you remember that? N- no. Just the sound effect, sploosh? Uh, no, sploosh from um, Holes. Was it called sploosh? I thought it was called It was called sploosh. sploosh. That's something else. <laughs> That's a different thing called Holes. <laughs> Play the music. We've talked about Mamma Mia quite a yeah. lot. This is, in fact, a jukebox musical. Yeah. Good How thing. do you feel about that? I mean, the first thing I'm going to say is I don't feel like it's a jukebox musical. Huh. We're, this is going to be interesting. I absolutely do. Okay. Yeah. I, and I know, like, I, I, I think there's subtlety here. But it has to do with my approach to the show versus your approach to the show. Like, you know the songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I absolutely... I don't know, I'm struggling a lot with my opinion about the show, Jimmy. And I think we're going to... I think you're going to be surprised by it. But I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, okay, interesting. It, and I think, like, one of the things I struggle with is a lot of the songs... Some moments of the songs seem very well servicing the plot. But mm-hmm. not all of them. Um, and especially when my first way in is just through the album, 
it kind of just sounds like I'm listening to a pop album again. Um, like it took a lot of mental effort to unpack the plot of this show because the plot is by design kind of shoehorned into the lyrics around it. And there's moments where I felt like that showed in ways that I didn't particularly find successful. Interesting. We are going to have some good discussions. I know. Oh, I know. lovely. That's lovely. Um, so I'm going to say right off the bat, this is my most listened to thing of 2020. Really? And I'm showing no signs of stopping. But yeah. now I'm like... I mean, no, I think it's undeniably incredible. Um, but I'm also like, is that just because I love the songs already? But no, I'm, that isn't mm. that isn't the case because my two favorite songs are the ones that were written for the show. That's fair. I would say, so The one of the first examples that hit me was um, Ironic. Um, one of the songs mm-hmm. I recognize, certainly, probably mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. most famous songs. And I was really curious, and you don't get a lot of uh, information about this from the album, like... What, how does this sit in the plot, right? Uh, and in the, the story, I guess we haven't talked about the plot, really. We should give a brief overview of what happens I in guess the we show. probably should. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so it, basically, it's, it's, it's kind of layers upon layers of whole wheat. Um, it's complicated. Yeah. At, at its core, uh, it's about a family in Connecticut um and they are <clears throat> just basically s- surviving and living as a family and it's looking at all of the different things that they are encountering in their own lives yeah. um but then going deeper than that uh there's also a plot um that is uh about uh, a sexual assault um and kind of the spirals that come off of that mm-hmm. and affect the wider community um and looking at things like uh you know bystanders and uh yeah just how that all ties together I yeah guess. It, it it centers around a, a pretty nuclear family of 2020 i would say um facing mm-hmm. very contemporary problems um mom dad uh important white mom dad adopted black yep. daughter biological white son um which causes some stress among the family and is a plot point um it deals with a lot of uh protest culture um there's a lot of discussion of uh, uh queer and identity issues um and you know you kind of follow this mishmash of a story um as this family between two Christmases kind of deals with some of these traumas. The mom is addicted to opioids after a car accident. Um, the son is dealing with some like uh, uh, some perfection issues around like his parents looking for joy there. Uh, the daughter is both dealing with her own identity as being, you know, a, a black woman in a white household and an adoptive daughter along with her own, uh, uh, coming to terms with her own queerness. Um, and there's some drama around that as well, around some very specifically bisexual drama, which is a fascinating plot point that doesn't get mm-hmm. a lot of airtime. So it's a very, all, all the reviews of this say, like, these are, these are the issues of today, um, which is the sort of thing a newspaper say, and I think they're not wrong. Um, all that to say, I think back to my point uh, about, you know, hearing pop songs. So I'm listening to Ironic, um, sung by Frankie. Frankie, sung by Frankie, um, as like 
a, a, a poem or piece that she wrote for her English class, and she gets through the first bit. And, like, the running joke with the song Ironic is that it's not literal irony. It is not, and I mean literal in the literary sense. The concept, it, yeah. It is not the concept of irony. And they lampshade that in the piece by having a kid in the back of the class raise his hand and be like, that's not really irony. That's just kind of shitty. Um, and then um, Phoenix, her perhaps future boyfriend uh, and new kid to the school, is like, hey, let her finish. Um, and then she continues singing the song Ironic. And, and I mean that. She continues singing the song Ironic. There's not... like. Ironic is a popular song partially because of its structure, but also, I think, because of its very vivid imagery. You know, it describes mm -hmm. all these interesting situations. Like, that's why it's a great song to begin with. The song in the musical is, the, like, the way they put it in is by having someone read it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... They use it as kind of a meet-cute between Frankie and Phoenix. Um, this is how, you know, they start to develop feelings for each other. And so part of that's incorporated into it and then they do like the teacher gets one line about like a no smoking sign on your cigarette break where she's like ah, ho hum woe is me womp womp but the rest of it is just Frankie singing it and I f the, ironic is one of the more standout examples of not being so integral to the plot mm -hmm. and they want to put it in because it's a popular song yeah and I struggle with this because <sighs> cut the song, right? If we're just going at this from a musical theater construction standpoint, this mm -hmm. song is not serving the plot. This song mm -hmm. is a waste of time. You can write a better song for their meet cute mm -hmm. or find a better way to incorporate this song in the plot that you're making up to kind of craft around these. But they're, they're at this weird kind of middle ground that I don't think satisfies either party. Um, and I go back and forth. I think there are definitely moments in this show where mm. this sort of stuff shines, but there are moments that really, really stick out to me as forced and shoehorned and lampshaded. And I struggle to talk about it because it's, you know, the show deals with a lot of hot button issues. And I think we'll talk about my feelings around that later. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, Generally, my feelings about jukebox musicals are not great, right? Mm -hmm. I'm all about original work. You know, let's write something new. Let's put something new in the world. Um, mm -hmm. I have the greatest respect for Alanis Morissette. I do enjoy these songs. And, like, for what it's worth, and it pains me to say it, I think something like Mamma Mia has a more cohesive plot. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I really, I really do. Um, I think, I get, well, yeah, I'm still, I'm still developing my thoughts around this, to be entirely okay. frank. But that's, that's my initial reaction, I would say. Yeah. I mean, as someone who really likes Mamma Mia, yeah. I, I don't agree with that. Okay. Just in the sense of, like, Mamma Mia makes no sense. But there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And some of the... the there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to this, though. Yeah, I guess I would say, I guess I think what I mean about Mamma Mia is I can see why, if we're song spotting it, I can mm -hmm. see why the song is happening now. And something about the plot is trying to make the song happen now. 
Whereas in this moment in Jagged Little Pill, where uh, uh, Frankie sings ironic, you could feasibly put very many Alanis Morissette songs right in there. Mm -hmm. Here's a different piece I wrote. And let me just read the lyrics to you. I think that's what I mean. And yeah, they're, save for some of the moments where like the dynamos are just singing a song in Mamma Mia, right. or there could be any song, Mamma Mia does that less so. And I think, see, like, I think, yeah. Yeah. To me, like, I would, I would give you ironic, right? Because I think that is the only one where it feels like we're doing a jukebox musical and therefore we have our list of XYZ songs that right. need to be in it because it's people you know people are fans yeah um so and i think i think you're completely right i think like like you say you take that scene out of the show nothing whatsoever changes like it doesn't even really advance frankie's opinions on the world you know i mean you don't really get much of a sense right of that um so i think like that one example i'll give you i think Honestly, I honestly think the rest of them... Show, so let's say, and I do think Ironic is the most standout example, and I think it's worse at the beginning than it is at the end. Right. But let's, let's talk hand in my pocket. Um, you know, ostensibly Joe and Frankie are contemplating their relationship. But because they are, you know, celebrating their relationship, having this moment together, um, because they're stuck with the song they have, the lines like, one hand in my pocket and one hand given a high five don't really you know it's only there because it's a lyric in a song it, there isn't this like symbiotic relationship between the music and lyrics and the plot in these particular moments that that, that they really stick out to me as someone who doesn't know this music yeah, and is yeah, trying yeah. to unpack like the story underneath it you know and it's i'm i'm identifying this because i this is why I don't like generally jukebox musicals is because yeah. it is this like, you know, sort of masturbatory fan service of like, oh, and where did they put that song? Oh, I can't believe that song's here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And some of the joy of doing a jukebox musical is finding the ways in which they have recentered these lines, which they do. And sometimes like um, uh, the end of Ironic, let's say, you know, and meeting his beautiful wife. And then uh, uh, Phoenix is like, I'm not seeing anyone, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's delightful, even if it feels a little forced in that moment. And I see these things pop up, you know, I, and I can't quite, I, I, wish it, I wish some of it felt more ingrained than it does as okay. someone who's not, you know, an Alanis head or whatever mm-hmm. the fan service is. Because that, like... I don't know. I think for, for, again, just to take the example of hand in my pocket, like for me, mm-hmm. the reason I think it works is because Joe mm-hmm. is very much an Alanis character. Sure. Like, yeah. And so Jack the Little Pill is obviously deeply autobiographical. Like, and that's, that is how Alanis Morissette writes. It comes right. from completely within her. Yeah. Um, and this kind of like, um, struggling feminist liberal mm-hmm. in a time of oppression yeah uh like to me that is that's just a really easy catch-all description of joe sure um yeah. so like and it just feels like um they're taking that moment just to introduce themselves into the storyline singing about themselves singing about how they feel 
Totally. And I think in... So, like, let's say we were writing Jagged Little Pill without the constraints of the songs. Uh-huh. I, I would learn, like, a, a lot more specifics about Joe in that moment. Mm-hmm. Where if you're, like... And this is, you know, this is the struggle we have of approaching this show through a secondary art form, right? You know, my first way in is through a recording of it, which is not the full thing. And, like, I get that, and I get that that's limiting. And I also hold the opinion that, like, a good musical theater song, let's say, stands on its own and can give you hints of that sort of stuff. But because Mm -hmm. these are pop songs, and pop songs that, for the most part, they haven't touched, you know, they're not, like, going back in and, you know, developing new lyrics in big ways let's say it's harder for me at least to get into the idea of who joe is through what is their exposition song what is their Mm -hmm. this is who i am song um Mm -hmm. whereas like even something you know as uh 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 floaty and lyrical as like corner of the sky from pippin let's say right doesn't mm-hmm. really talk about like and this is me pippin but something about that gives me a deeper understanding of who pippin is um and i right. also i also don't know if i'm putting my own preconceived notions about what a jukebox musical is on top well, of this, that's, right? that's this is the thing that i'm kind of curious about is that yeah. you're going into it knowing someone else has written this song for right. another purpose. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. if you'd heard that on its own, would you be thinking, wow, that's quite poetic or that's a really yeah. interesting yeah. intro song because I, it's not I, just like, this is my story, la 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 right. la. I will, I, mean? I will say, and I do, felt th- I do f- even feel this about something like Waitress, which is original songs but by a pop artist, that mm-hmm. a lot of Jagged Little Pill, like you can hit this album on shuffle and still make your way through. There's not a huge arc to the music styles because that's how pop music is, right? That's, this mm-hmm. is not a critique. However, the musical theater form, there is kind of a roller coaster of style throughout this thing. And I do like this all goes into the same bucket of like these are the problems of jukebox musicals that I see across the board. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this show overcomes them for me right okay i mean that's obviously totally fair i think it does like since yeah. it like be, like gen, like to me it i don't i don't read it as a jukebox musical like i don't sure listen to it to listen to the yeah alana songs in the right. same way that for right Mama you just Mia, listen it's to like, the oh, fun your arrangements of x right. um the only thing i do that for is the overture which yeah. has been completely written you know for the show as, right as that you know i mean it's just right. a vocal yeah. overture and it's a lot of fun yeah um but i think the storytelling within the songs yeah is really really good like i think if you take mj's character mm-hmm. um i think her personal songs and her personal storytelling yeah is fantastic and i think it really comes through and i think the songs i don't know i think they just completely like bolster like they just they, yeah they, they prop that up whereas it doesn't feel like uh i'm just gonna sing this song yeah because like i just don't think i generally don't think that at all interesting i'd absolutely and like you know this is this is new on my development of it and i am putting my opinions out there and i I'd, I'd also don't want to dismiss the fact like i applaud this 
the existence of this production. They could have just made an Alanis Morissette jukebox musical more like Jersey Boys, right? If Alanis mm. had said yes, and it would have been yeah. wickedly popular and fine. And so, like, <clears throat> to write a, a meaningful, important story around this, like, I don't want to discredit that. And, you know, you know, mm-hmm. make, make no mistake, I think it's a great addition to the canon. And I find myself kind of bouncing in between this thought of, I want a show, I want more show than I feel sometimes. Okay. And I do go back and forth, like, some pieces when performed, it's 2020, we can talk about this, it, when you look at some of the, you know, illicit recordings that exist of this show, <laughs> some moments seem very ingrained in what they're doing, and there's great moments, and some moments feel like, and now I just got to finish this song and sing this line um, and get through it. And the actors are, you know, they're doing it. It's not like they're being lazy in it. It's not like they haven't found the emotion underneath, but mm-hmm. there is like a second step between it where you're like they got to really sell the subtext of a particular line because the overt meaning of it doesn't actually quite match the particular micro beat that they're on right now if that makes right, sense right okay yeah no I, do, I think it does make sense i think the only time that happened for me mm-hmm. um was with unprodigal daughter mm, okay um, when she runs away so again if you're not if you don't know the story um frankie the daughter has uh, a big fight with both of her parents um yeah. because of their kind of opinions on her having sex compared to um one of her friends being raped um yeah. and they have a massive bust up and she runs away um to yeah. new york um and i think to me i was like if she didn't go to new york it might have been okay, but it just felt very like, yeah, a bit much. It felt a yeah. bit much, and it took me out of it a little bit because I was like, that a sixteen-year-old. I mean, maybe I'm being naive. Maybe they could, but a sixteen-year-old traveling. I don't know how long is it from Connecticut to New York. Yeah, and we we have later down in our outline the book, so I think we'll we'll talk about some of that. But right, I do... exactly. So that was the only time where I felt like. Sure. What I will say is mm-hmm. it makes so much, it makes perfect sense. Like right. for Frankie to sing on Prodigal Daughter is perfect. And it serves the story because yeah. every single lyric of that song feeds mm-hmm. into everything that she's feeling. Totally. Um, and so in that case, I'm like, well, that that's great. That works. But the, the, the idea that that was happening at all was the thing right. that I was a bit like, yeah, that's a bit weird. But uh, again, everything else i think is incredible and i think one of the reasons why i think it is so good is because of the original songs mm, sure and i think you know, i think this, the original songs slap like i think that's such the struggle with this thing is like the songs are good and you don't mm. want to mess with good and then you're presented with this bizarre puzzle of you know it's the it's the spongebob problem almost right like how do you mm. put this stuff in an order that makes sense that you can write a plot around. SpongeBob's not the best mm-hmm. comparison because that's most of that's original. Um, but still, you're like in, you know, the song spotting for this show is a particularly unique situation. You have a bucket of songs already without an order, which is generally mm-hmm. the opposite direction you would normally song spot an unwritten show. You've got an order based on the story or whatever, and you got to pick out what the songs are. Instead, yeah. you've got you know fully informed 
metaphorical imagery lyrics that you have to in like wrap a story around. And I think, you know, it's a I can't picture there's not another jukebox musical that has done it honestly as successfully as this either. I will say like yeah. every other jukebox musical around an artist couches some of the songs in and then they sang the song, right? Yeah. And, and it like, never happens. Here's your show. token line and here's the song. Like it's exactly. that kind of thing. There's like there's no that. like I, Yeah. Like Jersey Boys, you know, uh maybe I would say American Idiot gets close to this. Um, you know. But see, I, I find it difficult with American Idiot because yeah. it is fantasy. That's fair. And it is Do you know, I mean, and also the original album is a concept album. Is a concept album. So it has an order and a story, whereas this is much more, you know, and like this isn't this is songs. it's not just the Jagged Little Pill album. It's a bunch of different albums and some new stuff. Right, exactly exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um so no, I think I think that's that's exactly what I would say as well. Is I think like to me, this is the best example of a jukebox musical that I mm-hmm. think currently exists. Um, yeah. I think it's the best example of like a non-diegetic jukebox musical compared to something like Jersey Boys. Yeah. Beautiful, where the songs are being composed on the stage. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's... Totally. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's... I think it's marvelous. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the thing is like, when you then just put it in the world of non-jukebox musical musicals... Right. I think right. it still sits really high... Yeah. Well, and that was the question I was going to ask is like, is this, you know, and this is a loaded question, certainly, but is this a jukebox musical? I think by its base definition, sure, you know, we're taking the songs of an artist and putting them together. But in what a jukebox musical has become, because you still have something like, let's say, All Shook Up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which absolutely has a plot built around songs. Yeah. and and does you know kind of play around with some of the diegesis non-diegesis of it but you know in some ways jaggy little pill and all shook up are kind of closer to each other because we're wrapping a plot around a couple songs Mm -hmm. it is i just think it does it better yeah i do i don't know i'm still developing my opinion about this sort of thing about that's how fair. I, I like and a lot of it is certainly informed by you know i when i when i teach kids and like we're starting a new production or whatever the and all i think all theater students should do this like your first really really honor and embrace your first entry into a show right whether you're reading the script mm-hmm. or listening to the cast album for the first time it's the only time you will ever be able to have the quote unquote intended audience reaction and we've talked about this a dozen times um and my first time through this album it just sounded like a great pop album okay and it was really really hard to unpack um you know like i had to google a synopsis and like figure Mm -hmm. out what was going and like learn the names of the characters like there aren't character names and songs and stuff and like i get it you know like i i can be a smart theater goer i'm not asking for my hand to be held so tightly all the way through but i think it is a a a product of the form um that yeah it's struggling against certainly yeah i i I definitely give you that like but i just think yeah as i don't know just as an example of a jukebox musical it, it, it sits at the top yeah strong and proud like it is it's so good it's yeah. so much better than mamma mia 
I, I you're like take that back later. I know. Generally, I don't disagree, but I think the <laughs> you've spent when we did Mamma Mia. I hate you spent Mamma Mia. Twenty solid minutes talking about how bad the lyrics for the winner takes it all were because yeah. she talks about rolling dice. No, totally. And now and you're saying that's better. I'm. I want to break up the 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 linear binary of good and bad. It's a matrix, right? Like, okay, I, there are things that I think Mamma Mia does better than this show. I will stand okay. by that. As in the in the realm of jukebox musicals, do I enjoy one more than the other? Absolutely. I enjoy Jagged Little Pill much more than Mamma Mia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're serving, I think that's also the other half, is they're serving different purposes. You know, uh, They absolutely are. Yeah, no one's yeah. standing up in the audience and clapping along to like, I'm here to remind you in no. Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> right? Except and when like, they stand up for the mid-song ovation. Right, exactly. Just which is ingrained a whole in their reproduction. Construction, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting addition to the canon to me. I wonder, <laughs> you know, in a different world where theater wasn't all canceled right now, I wondered if it would beget more. Because um, like I could see, you know, there's been uh, uh, whispers and talk for years about like when is Gaga gonna do a, a Broadway show or you know, screw it, anyone in that world, Britney Spears, Pink, like Britney Spears is coming. Britney Spears is coming, of course. Um, but like, it, have they said, will it be this or Jersey Boys? You know? I think it's this. Okay. That's exciting to me, frankly. But I do, yeah, Jimmy's shaking his head no. I would rather this than Jersey Boys. And I, okay. see, yeah, I see the, but I see the problem with the limited number of Broadway theaters and the limited like talent pool of what we have around like, yeah. I'd much prefer a strange loop over either of them. Right. You know, like I, w- I would prefer a new original musical by Alanis Morissette with this plot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I will a hundred percent give you that. And I would love to see that yeah. because what I think is she's extremely capable of it. Yes. Yeah. I hope from this- those two songs. Yeah. From Smiling a Predator, mm-hmm. incredible musical theater songs. Yes. The pair of them. Yeah. She's and a good theater writer. Yeah. And I would say even before I knew they were original songs, on my first listen to, they stood out to me as different. Yes, I, I agree. They just, there's something special about them. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, completely agree. So, well, here, I think that, that kind of works as a segue. Let's do it. Hop on. Here we go. I like pain, but only if it doesn't hurt too much. Too much. Should I sit? Should I wait?
Um, sploosh. Yeah. Sp- sploosh again. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. Love him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think let's let's talk a little bit about the the existence of it. Yeah, in its physical uh, realm. Totally, don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the production because it's it's interesting what you were saying there about like uh, I w- I would rather see a an an ex an original you know sure yeah plopped in there. Um, I think one of the reasons why i love this so much is i don't feel like it's taking up space mm, tell unnecessarily. me more. what do you mean so as in i don't think there should be something else in its place that's fair right like art if, art if making we're going to be happening. making a jukebox musical yeah if yeah. we're going to be making a jukebox musical in 2020 i want it to be this yeah i want it to have a purpose that isn't just yeah. let's celebrate the songs of Alanis the, Morissette. The work went in to it. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. And I think that's the thing. Like, it doesn't feel like, let's celebrate the songs of Alanis Morissette. It's, yeah. I'm going to the theater to see a show. Whereas yeah. Mamma Mia's is like, when are they going to sing Waterloo? Exactly. Yeah. Are they going right? to sing it again? Yeah. That's fair. Exactly. And I also, I wonder as well, like, in terms of the book, is that why they get Hand in My Pocket and Ironic? Why they get them out of the way early. Very early. That I wonder if that was uh you know when it was still on a bulletin board discussion. That's a that's a good theory. Is like we want to do ironic, lampshaded in the question that everyone's had about it for years and get it done with so we can get back to the plot. It, it like it genuinely kind of feels a bit like that yeah, as a sort of fair. like, there you go, enjoy. Right. Let's get on with the show. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, and I kind of don't mind that. Like I kind of don't yeah. because that is the kind of for those people that are in the audience because that's the one they know. Right. Um, and that's because I've, I, Aladdis Morissette, she's a pop song. This would be a great show. And they've got no idea what they're actually going to be coming to see. Right. Yeah. Like that, I, I kind of love because it is a little bit yeah. like a, what, 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 what. yeah, um, no, I'm, I think that's great. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the fun home kind of track too, is like, oh, let's go see this Alanis Morissette show. What's up with this? Right. And you're like, we'll show you what's up with this. Get ready. Right. You know, fasten 100%. your fucking seatbelts like exactly exactly um so yeah so the actual the actual production now tommy and i we could pretend that we saw it on stage <laughs> should we pretend that we'll pretend tommy and i both saw this on stage when we were Fully, in new york completely yep mm-hmm. um and it was a real great thing that actually um, happened but it was interesting though because like when we were in new york yeah this was the talk of the town totally when well, i wonder everyone if was it... saying see it I've also had this thought. It's been interesting to try and unpack some of the fandom around this thing because certainly it had the out-of-town tryout that was lauded. Like, people loved it, and then it moved, and then was getting also great notices. And then there is the post-March, post-COVID kind of fandom around the thing. And I'm Mm. curious, you know, we'll never know what its journey would have been, right? Yeah. It's interesting to watch its journey now as like one of the last things that happened, you know, for sure. One of the last new things that happened before we all had to stop doing new things. Um, exactly. And I, and I wonder if like where it would be right now, if we were prepping for the Tonys after four more musicals had opened, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, comparing and talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, like, yeah, I have an inkling. It would still be open. I think so too. And I think it would be doing quite well. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. I like, Alanis Morissette is big enough. Yeah. 
right yeah. let's be fair and then the, the album jagged little pill is big enough and because it's the 90s right um we know the average joe theater goer was listening to pop music in the 90s in the 90s um, totally so to yeah. them they're like i know that one yeah well and off we go let's also say you know in the same way that like Hades town kind of stumbled into why we build the wall um you know this show has and certainly we've been talking about these things for several years now but mm-hmm. some of the kind of i don't know this is the wrong term for it but protest culture um and like issues that this show talks about have right. been placed under a magnifying glass in the preceding six months after it opened and right. that absolutely magnifies it and you know exemplifies its importance and you know puts it puts it in the the hearts and minds of those who are seeing it absolutely i just i just realized i just did a visual thing there but yeah we are like finger massively on the pulse yeah 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 absolutely which is interesting Um, for something you know conceived over 20 years actually premiering in 2018 i know it's it's strange because like part of me is like does that give me hope or is it the opposite (laughs) right yeah is it always gonna be like this or is it like is it like that thing of like there's always stuff and we always keep pushing through. Right. Or is it like, oh, there's always stuff? Well, it is. I, this <laughs> so is let's go a, for the positive one. This is let's a huge segue, but my YouTube suggested to me Tim Minchin in Jesus Christ Superstar. Have mm-hmm. you seen any of this production at all? Mm-hmm. I'd never, I did not know it existed. Um, Seriously? Yeah. Um, and it must be, they're, they're talking about the Occupy protests at the time. Is that, does that timeline jive? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's this huge epic concert production. Tim Minchin plays Judas. Um, and I, I only watched Heaven on Their Minds, and Tim Minchin is ridiculously auto-tuned, which is a topic for another day. Um, but there is this, like, Jesus is the protest organizer, and the police in riot gears are at the top of the stairs at the Capitol or whatever. Um, and, like, it could have been about right now. I can tell by mm-hmm. how close people are together and that they're not wearing masks. This was not made right now, but even just some of the pure imagery around the whole thing and then the issues that it informs, you're like, oh, huh, interesting. And I had that same yeah. thought, like, I don't know if I'd like that <laughs> or if it's yeah. a sign of like, well, we're just stuck in the same couple circles spiraling yeah. like a tornado down the drain. I think like with, with Jagged Little Pill, though, I think like that album when it came out for so many people because it's such an honest album um, and it was like deeply refreshing and it's one of those things like that period in the 90s was an extremely good period for singer songwriter pop rock um but there was something about alanis morissette i think a being so young and honest um and kind of getting the backlash that she got from it for being a young honest female speaking about about issues um like that i don't know to me like looking at the path that's gone through now and now looking at how we view things like uh sexism and how we view things like sexual abuse like it's she was talking about it then and Mm -hmm. people were listening to it and going "Mm." but now we're really listening to it. Yeah. Like, we hear it now. Yeah. It's like she's whatever the opposite of, like, doing the thing in the 90s that gets you canceled now. Like, she she did the other way. <laughs> uh-huh. 
She was uh, like big dot. I don't know what the offset of cancelling. Right. I don't know what the other what the opposite opening, is. I don't know either. But it yeah. is. It's a fascinating thing about this show, and like also one that's sets it apart from other jukebox musicals like american idiot is still set in the early aughts and is a period piece of itself right yeah mama mama mia is kind of whatever you know jersey boys is set in its time right um yeah this one to reset songs that were written for one era in a different era yep is interesting in a a very much a different era this is pre-mobile phones yeah like and they totally could have made this a show of the '90s, right? And Absolutely. Leaned into that a little bit and made it a, a choice and like evoke some of that nostalgia and invented nostalgia. Yep. And they made a clear decision not to, which yep. is interesting to me. It's an interesting it artistic is. choice. What I'm going to do, I'm going to screech the brakes on this conversation because we're delving into book chat, which we is are too. Up. So we're going to steer back into talking about the production. So what did you think about the production? I, it must be, it must be a blast to see live, certainly. Um, I can see. It was. Yeah, it was when we were there. Um, for real. Um, and not behind whoever kept setting their phone down behind the person who kept moving in front of them. Um, mm-hmm. There were times when I very much enjoyed the ensemble and the choreography, and it felt Mm -hmm, like it mm -hmm. was very much informing the action and creating a world around it. There were times where it felt like, and I mean this with the most love, um, the SNL high school uh, theater production bit, um, where like, there are five people in this scene, but we need a reason to pull out all 30 of the people so they can dance on the table around people while they pretend they're not there. Um, and it went back and forth between seeming very intentional and, you know, creating a world around the story. Um, and then to the other side about like choreography, let's look at it, you know, and let's, let's, and now we, now we're dancing. Um, even, Mm. and as much as I adore, you ought to know the dance break at the end and I get it. And I have, you know, as I love dance and I see it as you know when whatever the truism is like when you can't when you stop talking you start singing when you can't sing anymore you start dancing i get it and when you have this really you know certainly loud but also intimate uh 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 morning song about like where your life is you know and, and how sad you are about something and then for everyone else to come in and kind of keen with you through dancing and uh, like hip-hop dancing it t- it took me out of it in some moments. Wow. Yeah, honestly, and I and I knew this was gonna be a difference between us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have any time there's something that features dance, we have this conversation. Absolutely. Because I think we do sit on opposite sides of the fence. Like for me, yeah. I think it's it is the thing that drives the narrative, and you disagree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and, that and don't lot. get me wrong. I think there are gorgeous moments of dance and choreography in this that absolutely yeah. elevate the story to a level unparalleled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there are times where I'm like, I kind of like, we didn't need to dance right now. You know, okay. I get, I get like a Jerry Herman, hello Dolly dance break vibe where I don't want one. Right. Okay. I, fair. I like it in a Jerry Herman sense. I don't like it here. Uh, I think for me, like, but again, maybe maybe it comes from really liking the album. Like, it, what I think the chorus provide, and they talk about this quite a lot 
as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they call the, the ensemble the, the conscience. Sure. The, and you can the see kind that. Of, yeah. Right. The people's thoughts that kind of around like them. Ever-present. 100%. Greek court style. Yeah. You know, we're always there. Um, and th- to me, that's exactly what they are. Like, and I, I, I don't know, like at no point did I feel like you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Like think... it just felt like it felt because like if you think of the big kind of dance numbers. Sure. Right. In a British compass, uh, I'm prodigal daughter. You ought to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're such rocking songs. Like they are yeah. really like deep emotive. And for 16 year olds, like, yeah. I don't know, like when I'm thrashing about to Evanescence. Right. Right. I picture 30 other people around me thrashing about too. Like that's totally. how much you feel. Yeah. Right. And for me, it's just that like explosion. They're not identifiable people. They're just extensions right. of Joe. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I do also see like um like I think this goes to the, the jukeboxy thing and that these songs already exist. These songs are so heightened that if you just stick one person in the middle of the stage to do it, it feels like something's missing, right? You need something bigger there and so like i see how we how we got there how a production meeting led to this discussion of you know do we have an ensemble does the ensemble exist beyond portraying characters outside of real moments Mm -hmm. on the other hand you know what's in the back of my mind and certainly because of the tom kit connection is next to normal which i think draws a lot of parallels with this show where if you know in the middle of didn't i see this movie a chorus of 30 teenagers comes out and starts dancing around Alice Ripley, I'd be taken out of the moment. You would be if, if that was the first time they appeared, but Fair. if they were in it from the start, I don't yeah. know if you would, because that's yeah, I, the thing is like the, the chorus opened the show. Right. Right. It's just them on stage in the overture. Yeah. Um, and they're doing that. Like, that's the thing is like, it's such a, to me, it's a really intelligent yeah. style because they're not breaking out into different styles they're not you know they're not just like dancing like that's the thing is this right. the choreography um from uh city larby and i can say his last name it is uh Cherkau. Cherkau? i think it's Cherkau. but yeah so it, like i think it's it's really intelligent because it feels like one constant yeah well and- flow it doesn't feel like here's your dance break this is your time yeah. number yeah, you know like I, mean? I, I, I absolutely see that, and it's a, it's a style that I don't know how I feel about. Where in something like, and I, I know we have divisive opinions about, let's say, the mm-hmm. choreography in Hamilton, but yeah, yeah, yeah. the ensemble in Hamilton beca- seems more intentionally stationed as abstract, like they are always abstract. And something about it does continue that conceit, right? Whereas mm-hmm. something about, because the chorus does every once in a while go back and forth in this between being like very real students and other outside characters to being the consciousness and how that's telegraphed didn't quite jive for me at times. Like, right, okay. what's the difference between, and it, like, I think this is an improvable thing. I think this is something, you know, like this but would they be had no different time. costumes or something right or but they did pull- have the, like they do and, and like the conscience has that's fair the very own like like hyper 90s 
yeah. style. And yeah. then for when they're playing character, <coughs> playing characters, they change into naturalistic for, costumes. For whatever, for reasons I can't pinpoint, and I understand that's my own fault. I it, it was diffi- it didn't translate. It was difficult in some moments to not view them as thirty people walking into this family's living room. Right. Okay. You know, and those were the mo- or like twelve people standing around this one person while they have an internal monologue. Uh huh. And uh, I don't know. And and I think it's cool. I want it to work, and it didn't work mm-hmm. for me. And I'm struggling to articulate why. But um, I wonder, like, I wonder if this kind of comes back to mm-hmm. your bias. Yeah, perhaps. Of this is a jukebox musical, so already your hunches are already, up, yeah. and you're waiting exactly. for it to yeah. not work. Already, I'm I'm looking for nitpicky things. I think that's absolutely a potential. Um, yeah, you know. So so who because knows? It's I don't know where that I puts me. Th- the, com- the comparison to Hamilton, I think, is really interesting because I actually think they're they're really similarly utilized. Um, totally, I think Hamilton just so seamless, and it's yeah. because it, because it's a song through show, like it, it the ensemble, right? It's totally easier to have that. them kind of like the tie, right? It, it arrive it and leave, and, whereas, yeah. <clears throat> whereas, like the ensemble don't pop up in a book scene, and they're just like. Right, exactly, here, and I wonder. Judges, you know I, mean? I wonder. I wonder if that would have helped me with this. If the ensemble, no, I think that would have been weird. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think be that something... would have been so weird. It'd be something I'm interested in if they workshopped. It'd be something I'd be interested in yeah. because I do think you know, in this kind of way, we're doing all the musicals in 2020 these days. Where like we put the band on stage and like really minimal sets. You know, we're not trying very hard to evoke a place or a location or impress you with mm. our production value. We're trying to impress you with our cleverness um, and our, our peopleness um, and our representationalism. And so then you become hypercritical of the representationalism because that's all there is. It is so barren. You know, there's a couch and a yeah. tree and a desk and then a guy playing the keyboard and then the harmonica and big projections of slightly evocative imagery. Right. And so yeah. every choreographic choice become like enters under higher scrutiny there and like if you play some of these numbers at 0.5 speed there are things that just like and now we're just clapping you know and now we're just doing this thing and i don't know if this is my own deficit in choreography analysis or as you mentioned my Mm. own bias around some of this stuff but nevertheless it is something i felt it still exists Yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and no one can take that away from you thomas yep the way you hold your hat the way you sip your tea. Something, something, all that. They can't take that away from me. We don't often do like, you know, and then the music starts and, you know, we take a tangent into. <laughs> Musical numbers. No, we don't. <laughs> we won't be starting. Um, I think one, one of the things I really want to commend, though, while we're talking mm. about the choreography is specifically one person called Heather Lang, um, <laughs> who uh, features in two numbers really predominantly, um, mm. the number of Predator and Uninvited. Yes. So um, and she does the same thing in both of them, which I think is cool. Yeah. Uh, basically, she plays a sort of mirror world version of mm-hmm. in Predator Bella and in Uninvited uh, MJ. Um, and we'll come back when we start talking about the book. I'll be talking about this again. Um, yeah. But just in terms of the work that she does on that stage, oh. it's sensational. And we've it's not gorgeous. seen it on Broadway. We've no, not seen I, it on Broadway full stop. 
it, it is a thing that struck me. One of my earliest, like as a as a lighting design major, the first things they put you on are the dance concerts because there's a lot of opportunity uh-huh. for you know, do it can be orange, who cares, right? Which is right. untrue, but it's an easy place to put naive lighting designers and you know make them flash some lights a couple times. And so I have lots of early experience in like this contemporary dance world and seeing mm-hmm. legitimate contemporary dance, not like Broadwayified contemp dance. Yes. In this show, it's cool, and you're right, new. It new, and it works. It works. It really does. It totally works. And like, hats off to Elizabeth Stanley because she mm-hmm. keeps up. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. She really keeps up. Like, well, I don't know, t- like that number because "Uninvited" is one of my favorite Alanis mm-hmm. songs. I think it's a really interesting song. It was when I was younger. I was obs- I was obsessed with it. Um, yeah. And so I was obviously so eager when I saw it was in this show. I was like. How are they doing that? Yeah. And listen to it on the cast recording actually wasn't that pleased because it wasn't it's, jigged up a huge it. amount. Yeah. But right? in person. So it is in the plot. Mary the Jane show. is overdosing. Um, yes. And then her physical cipher. Herself. Yeah. Yeah. Her just herself. Like a- appears embodied by this wonderful dancer heather lang and there's this mirroring of like commentating on what you the other person is doing you know it is for for the comparison's sake didn't i see this movie and like you know next to normal right. does this right it's a cool moment but the the contempt dance they don't to do it, it as well no they do not do it as well i think no. I, I wonder if Diana's just lying down and then right. standing up and she's walking and about. There's no you get contemporary like, dance. <laughs> you, get, you get a joke about it basically like, oh, I thought that was her on the gurney, but really she's right. over there. I do. Th- I exactly. wonder if, if this is my difficulty. If in these moments that I struggle with choreography-wise, where we're seeing this very legitimate contemporary dance ideology imposed upon musical mm. theater, and if I do mm. want something a little more musical theater in those moments mm-hmm. where it's less like I'm emoting through my body and more like we're supporting mm-hmm. the dramatic action on stage. And then in, in the other moments where I like, I wonder if that's what I want is a more hybridization of, you know, contemporary dance where it supports the story and like, is the story through what yeah, we're doing uh, and moving story. and yeah. less contemporary dance where we're closer to that kind of book musical, ideal maybe that's a way to articulate my difficulty i wonder but then so like what do you think about the the like clapping and hand in my pocket yeah i i don't really that's like that's more your classic musical yeah theater. i don't and and that but like hand in my pocket and like don't get me started on the choreography and ironic and i think the problems start at the beginning but like you know ironic ironic they all the students just suddenly start it looks like a really good high school production like i think this is what i meant by my snl comparison it's like we gotta Uh we gotta give the ensemble one more number let's put them in the desks behind them and they'll kind of roll around and blah 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 looks great and also doesn't support the story um yeah Yeah, so yeah yeah. i think you're yeah no you 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 pull a good point there i don't know what i want and i would say like because i would say they are they are they are weaker because they're just you do feel a bit like you're just dancing yeah, in like classic hand, musical theater style. Hand in my pocket, Joe jumps up on a table and they kind of move the table around and then they keep moving it around, you know. But like on the other hand, um, head over feet with the little swing set thing, um, which is featured in an adorable clip from rehearsal 
um, that we should find and put in the show notes where they have the the spinning swing set for the first time. It's yeah. really fun. It's really appropriate. Yeah, it's, it's cute. It's good, like, set-informed choreography. It's very musical theater. Um, yeah. But has this kind of contemporary dance edge to it that's cool. Yeah. I, I'm excited about the intersection of these things. I think I want For more sure. rules and codes. Not rules, but, you know, best practices. Uh-huh. I, I, think, I think it's think definitely something we're seeing a lot more of because even um, with... Uh, new West Side Story, sure, which obviously just happened. Yeah. Um, there was much more flavor of that. Fiddler in the Roof, the recent revival with Hoffa Schechter. Um, yeah, although it was more traditional, um, right? It was part of the pun, by the way. Um, it was still <laughs> very, it, it was still very fresh and, and yeah. like in that very modern yeah. contemporary choreographer way. Um, totally. and so I don't know. I, I to me, like that's the kind of dance that really excites me because it feels fresh it feels new and it feels very appropriate when you're doing musical storytelling totally that you have story you know storytelling through the dance yeah i would love and i can't think of an example off the top of my head a show that can go from hip-hop to tap dance and back again (laughs) you know um even that's a poor example contemporary dance like this sort Uh of stuff but also let's somewhere in the middle we're going to do a kick line um yeah i don't you know? know if it would work i just don't know if it would work i think it would just feel it would make one of them look bad sure yeah i you know i, I mean? yeah i guess i don't know if i want one but i'm curious about like how okay, big you draw no. your circle there you know i'm gonna give you a little bit of an example here of a chorus line mm, sure because of course although it's not contemporary dance because it right. was it's the con- 70s and we were it's contemporary like of that. its time yeah in the 70s you know, I mean, like for example, so like the montage section, yeah, in that even going into like um, like one music in the mirror, the final, and... yeah, yeah, where it's very, it's still quite abstract, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you've got the juxtaposition of one, right, which is very but again, rigid and musical theater. That's different, right? Because it makes and it's, a point, and it's it's playing with your with your diegesis and non diegesis of the right. choreography in the a moment. Good example. But I I do I do see example. your point. And I do wonder, because we play faster and looser with other styles in musical theater, right? Mm. You know, there are shows that can bounce back and forth between a blues song and a country song and a musical yeah. theater song. But, we but oftentimes keep... it's not good. Yeah, that's a fair, a fair point. Well, I think sometimes it's good when it's suited to the content, makes right? Sense. You yeah. know, Sandy talks about this all the time. You know, you, you, you pick the, the <laughs> genre or whatever that's going to suit what you're doing. And it's the, yeah. it's the struggle with the jukebox musical. The genre is picked for you beforehand. And so exactly. perhaps exactly. a through line of like a choreography circle that matches that is yeah. congruent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all that to say, great dancing. It's fun to watch. I, Good and, moves. Man, we sure had fun seeing it live in person. It was energetic. Best night out of the theater I've ever had. Genuinely, <laughs> best night out of the theater. <laughs> Jagged Little Pill people, if you're listening to this in the aftertimes, we'd love to come see your show. Yes, we absolutely would. Thanks, Alanis.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I, it's, it's weird because we're about to talk about the book and I feel like we've already heavily talked about the book. Right. First thing I'll say. It's oftentimes it's the first thing people talk about when they talk about this show. Mm-hmm. And they're very critical of it. Yeah. Saying that there's too much going on. Yeah, I agree, and I get it. I agree, and I sympathize. With who? That, that, why they put so much in. Oh, I think it's purposeful. Really? Yep. I think it's deeply intelligent. (laughs) Like, I, uh, it's one of those things. We can't dispute Diablo Cody's writing ability. It's, it's great in moments. I really like it. Right? I, I, think I, that, really... I think there are moments that stick out like a sore thumb. Okay. In the middle of... Well, I'd struggle with this because it's a show that's trying to make a lot of points. Clearly. And is unapologetic about that. And to your point of on purpose, right? Yeah. And in the middle of um, Hand in My Pocket, which apparently will be the only song we talk about in the show. Um, <laughs> which is weird. I didn't expect that. There's a throwaway line where... Um, and it is... A throwaway line, and I think this is why I struggle with it, where one of the random, you know, students at the time uh, tries to touch Frankie's hair, um, and Joe says, like, hey, don't touch her hair! And, like, this is a thing, like, stop asking to touch black people's hair. I get it. We're trying to make a point here. And I want more nuance with some of this, but I don't know. And I understand that's a problematic thing for me as a white man to ask, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I live my problem there, and I want to name that. Uh-huh. And I feel like a lot of, you know, they're trying to shove a lot of issues into this, and it shows. Um, and, you know, that's also the world we live in. I get it, right? Shit hits the fan all at once. This is the argument of naturalism versus realism versus metaphoricalism, Right. Would would a show that deals with fewer, and I hate this term, but issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be able to land a little more nuance about them? But the thing is, right, I wouldn't say anything is done in poor taste. Fair. Totally. Right? I don't think they bring up any of the issues in poor taste. No, I, I agree. I think that's what's so crucial. And that, to me, makes it not um, trivial. Yeah. Like... Uh, so the the kind of want for nuance what like what more do you want from that conversation we already know what that conversation is you don't touch black people's hair do right. you know what I mean but I guess the question is like if if the purpose of art is to change hearts and minds and if your audience knows the answer to that question uh-huh. well, why are we taking the moment to do it right mm-hmm. well I think so the, basically right just to, to kind of go from my perspective of why I think it's intentional why i think it works totally is at the moment if you're a teenager mm. right you're dealing with everything oh yeah everything mm-hmm. right there is nothing that you are not getting shoved down your throat and it's so interesting i think reading critics and people about like writing about this 
where they say there's too much going on blah, 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 blah. i'm like yeah because there is yeah. like there is too much going on you can't focus on one thing at the moment yeah right you just can't you, you're not allowed that time and to me that is why one of the reasons why i love jagged little pill so much is mm-hmm. because it's this is a snapshot of the 2010s or 2020 like this is this is a snapshot of right now mm. where you are literally it, it is it's a you know rolodex of issues as you yeah. say like it, it's non-stop and it's everywhere and i think to you know negate other issues for you know other storylines when mm. actually they, they all fit the characters they all yeah serve a purpose yeah in sure. this they're not that's to me they're not shoehorned in yeah they are real and authentic yeah. yeah um and i know that in the authorship of this show they took a lot of time to make sure that they were real and authentic yeah. they had many talks all of the actors did deep amounts of research mm-hmm. um like it comes from a really authentic place so i actually think this idea of there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it I, works. I think you're convincing me. And I am, because I, I had this thought, my initial reaction was the same as the critics. There's too right, much going uh-huh. on and I can't. And, you know, it's good that we have these conversations in order. I'm yeah, sure, sure it is couched in my biases towards jukebox musicals that inform some of my complications of the plot. Right. And... I was fearful even before we had this conversation, like we've talked about before about uh, with uh, Lightning Thief um, Mm -hmm. around the, you know, critics being old folks, not understanding the youth. Right. And I'm I'm fearful that now I've turned post 30 (laughs) that I might be falling into that, Um, you know, and like I see my my youthfulness flashing before my eyes, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and clearly kids love this show. So it's do like it's right, right? Like, mm-hmm. and they especially the <laughs> Zoomers these days, they will <laughs> pull no punches critiquing your show, right? Right, um, right, right. I, it, so you say kids love the show; they don't love it enough. Mm, that's a fair like point. it's not as big as it should be, in my opinion. Like, well, th- I'm curious it, if it's too didactic. Honestly, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> if it's too, hero, this is a good time for me to learn what that means. Yeah, no. Uh, so, um. The like, like too, it tells you the story too like prescriptive that? in its education. Um, you would have been. Okay, yeah, yeah, you were yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, didacticism I first talked about when talking about uh Pinocchio, um, which is a very didactic children's book, like don't tell lies to people or your nose will grow bigger. Okay, yeah, don't uh-huh. drink or you'll turn into a donkey. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I feel honestly like the lessons that the show is trying to teach are didactic i i'm curious whether or not it's a problem um and i i do you know there's a lot of comparisons and reviews and we've talked about it too uh of this show and hair Mm -hmm. and i think it's an interesting one because i don't know i see the comparison i understand the comparison i don't think this is like hair because i don't think any musical theater made post 1980 
can be like hair because of how the musical machine has evolved, right? Yeah, successfully. Successfully. you got to build, especially if you're going to go to Broadway, you got to build projections for it. You can't, like, <laughs> go get high with your company yesterday and change the show tomorrow because the yeah. lighting designer needs to know what 100 cues he's going to give to the, you know, drum synthesizer, right? Like, the machine's not built for that kind of free love anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think that creates this kind of intentional issue building. And I mm-hmm. see, you know, I, I hear myself parroting uh, right-wing talking points, which is frustrating <laughs> to me, right? Like, I see the way in to say, like, oh, you know, they, they, they want to brainwash us with their, with their morals about, you know, uh, 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 how we should all love each other, right? Um, and I can see, you know... Gen Zers or teenagers to begin with, the moment you tell them to do something, they're going to be like, well, fuck you. I don't want to do that, right? Mm. And I worry that some of the intentional didacticism of this is uh, is a turnoff, right? And I think it walks a fine line. Like, let's talk about the uh, drug addiction plot line. It's a legitimate struggle for MJ, and the struggle is embraced and extolled upon. Like, yeah, you know, we, we talk about how tough it is and like that she wants to kick her addiction and that it's tough. Mm-hmm. And it's still there's still this like, well, you're going to die. You know, there's still a like PSA is esque edge to the thing of like look at the badness and not that like opioid edition is a good thing and it's a Mm. question of like how much complexity can you put in a two-hour show with all these issues like this is the thing you know i struggle with some of the protest motifs of this um Mm -hmm. the the company generally um but mostly frankie uh kind of uh come to the aid of bella she's not believed about her sexual assault until the brother comes forward that he witnessed the thing and there's a bunch of like very well choreographed numbers with like signs that look like they're you know uh uh grassroots homespun protest signs but clearly a prop master worked a long time on them um and i have a a difficulty with something like that presented in that way right like the the ability to protest is a serious issue is important and protests are important and and i i i mean it when i say i struggle with this seeing representation and honoring that as a strategy is super super important to me and it is manufactured and it is impossible to get past the fact that this is a fake protest and mm-hmm. there's a tightrope to walk there between you know uh, homage and parody Certainly not there. They're not intentionally parodying it, but is there a sense of uh, exploitation or performativism in some of this presentation of quote unquote issues? Uh, and it's it's a it's a tight rope to walk with art, right? They're still charging money for this show. They're still making money off of this show. Mm-hmm. They're also changing hearts and minds. And the show wouldn't exist if it didn't make money because it lives in this mm-hmm. capitalistic machine. So, you know, it becomes tainted a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what were the issues they're not allowed to talk about? Or where were things softened a little bit because of corporate interests that we won't know about? Or maybe they weren't, and that's awesome. And it's impossible for us to know. And so I, I, all of this goes into a big struggle I have about how many plot points they're trying to tackle and why, like, you know, 
just hitting it with a blunt hammer all at once. And I, I absolutely take your point. We're all hitting all these issues all at once. You know, to be going through workshop week, going back to in-person school during a global pandemic where we're talking about issues of anti-racism on our campus while we're all wearing a mask socially distanced, like my brain's on fire to try and tackle yeah. all these things at once while we sit outside inhaling the smoke from the Colorado wildfires caused by global warming. Like, right. I get it. It does all hit at once. And that is real life. And yeah. sometimes I think, you know, I don't know if the show does a good enough job of telegraphing. Well, maybe it does. Of telegraph. what I was going to say, <laughs> of telegraphing that the meta issue is the issue. That, like, the issue isn't just the individual issues, but it's all of them together. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And maybe just by doing it, it does, as I said. I, th- developing I think that's opinions. it. Like, yeah. Because how, how else yeah, fair. would it do it? Other than having a song, like, there's lots going on, and that's what you have to realize. Like, yeah, and, you know what I mean? that, and really, they kind of do. I mean, the finale is kind of like, yeah. You live, yeah. you learn, like, you live. Like, that is yeah. the, you know, no, I, mean? I, I think just it's so... Um, yeah, it it just speaks to me because I went, I read the reviews before I listened to the show. Okay. So I went in to the show having this idea of like, there's going to be too much going on mm-hmm. um, and I was waiting for it. Yeah. And I got it and I, I like heard it and I was like, okay, yeah. But it just, at no point did it feel like issues. Sure. As we have spoken about before in other teen musicals. Yeah. BMC mm-hmm. Lightning Thief, right. right? Which are decent. Lightning Thief, I think, is a bit better than Be More Chill. Totally. Um, but I feel like for teens, right. this is their show. Yeah. Like, this needs to be their show because this is the one that's respectful of teenagers as teenagers today. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not pandering. It's not saying, you know, oh, you're a female character, so all you get to do is be in right, love sing and like theater. Like, yeah. no, it's, it's so much more than that. And it's like, to me, I'm like that. If I was a teenager, yeah, I would be like, yes. I wonder though, let me pose this to you. Uh-huh. Cause it's a, it's a struggle I face with the teens I teach today. Mm-hmm. Life sucks. And sometimes they don't want to look at it. Right. And so there's like a desire for escapism there. Right. That this show, I would wager, doesn't provide in ways that Be More Chill, technically a sci-fi horror piece, uh-huh. or Lightning Thief, a you know, fantasy resetting of Greek myths, does allow for that extra layer to not just be to not just feel like you're reading the newspaper. Right. And I think absolutely fair. But as we've talked about before, there's times for escapism and there's times when you want to be in amongst it. Totally and true. And I think this is the only time in yeah. this century yeah. that we have this. And it's interesting, I think, to, to pull it back to the hair comparison. Yeah. Um, teenagers going to see hair and getting right. excited about hair yeah. will be excited about all of these things because they're like, this is everything we're seeing. Yeah. And this is this is the real world. Yeah. And I feel like Jagged Little Pill, yeah. for the most part, I'm not saying it's perfect, but for the most part, I think is like, hi. Right. This is the real world. Yeah. Especially you know what I mean? to to 
you know what we would call the teen musical theater audience these days absolutely absolutely they are are these kids so other than like the few examples that we've mentioned before about the book you know having little like absolutely and hey there's only a handful of musicals that have good books right i mean (laughs) mean, like yeah what musical you know doesn't need help there right exactly um but i just think the intention of this is so correct i don't know i just think it feels very yeah appropriate yes it is it is refreshing to see alongside something like um uh, dear evan hansen which does legitimately seem performative um, yes thank you, know. you yes exactly like and that's because there's no escapism really in dear evan hansen yeah right that's fair but actually there kind of is because nobody acknowledges right. the real point of that show that it's horrific right. like yeah so here's real characters that are authentic and yeah, the right that people are, are honored that are kind of and the right people are dismissed yeah it is i like and i think the 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 struggle that i'm coping with is that like you know uh escapism versus magnifying mm. glass on the world and like we don't see the we're seeing the pendulum swing i think towards less escapism more yeah. let's look at the world um, yeah and this is you know this is it but i just think as well like it, you know just to, to swing it back to something like be more chill you can still have like good characters yeah in a sci-fi story yeah, they could yeah. just be less like we need to stick some issues to stay relevant to these kids so let's have a bisexual character that we'll never call bisexual whereas right. in this show they're out and out calling them bisexual and right. there's no holds barred about it it's not like so here's the bisexual song right. like not at yeah, all it's just, it just no is. let's just have a love duet thanks right. yeah it is and like i wonder if part of it is you know i always want with a show like this with entertainment you have the hook and the point right Mm -hmm. you draw them in with the hook and then you make the point and that's how we win hearts and minds and i guess the hook of this is alanis morissette and because of the way my brain is and my bringing up is that hook isn't there for me right okay so i'm unpacking that right if yeah yeah yeah. if i if that was why i went to see this show i get it and so i'm like kind of back forming that in my brain to then understand the show i think yeah, fair. Fair, fair, fair. Um, no, again, I think it's nifty. One of the things I think, though, mm-hmm. I think this would make such a good TV series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, if there was ever a way that you could make a narrative, like, that isn't about theatre, mm-hmm. and I I put Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in that bracket as well. Sure. As much as I think it's divine. Um, like, just like a proper drama, like a, mm-hmm. a drama. A proper with songs about, yeah yeah with songs like a musical like i think this could work and then you would have the opportunity to delve into things right a little bit more yeah that you don't have in a two-hour limit yeah. um i think it would be great because I, I i do agree like yes they brush over a lot and there's a lot of stuff that gets raised and they're like i kind of want to follow that story right and it's that idea of like well you, you don't get that opportunity in this time right sorry but yeah. go read about it yeah, you know now you're aware that it's an issue that you're intrigued by right maybe go learn something like it's that kind of that kind of thing that i i feel is good about it you know yeah. i mean it's it is flag posting it but not in a hey we've right. talked about this right we get it's, points. Not a, it's not a it's not a throwaway line yeah 
I really respect it for that. Yeah. I really, really do. Um, yeah. That's yeah. my thoughts. I think you're convincing me. I don't know. I'm still I think coming. I, it's, yeah, I think totally fair. And I'm the thing is, is like uh, when I was saying about listening to it with the, the critics in my head, right. I was also listening to it because I loved the music so much. And yeah. after like listening to that cast recording, I was very excited to listen to it straight away again. Right. And I have been doing so for six solid months. But um, I think for me, I was, I am kind of looking for a, what, why is this like, these are intelligent people right Mm -hmm. talented intelligent people that are all working on this yeah so what is it that they're getting right here and that's my take on it is actually they're just telling a story that is very real yeah and there's something to be said about you know making space on the the expensive great white way for a story like this with the sort of things it talks about um absolutely we're learning more and more about stories that don't make it there and right. it's not it's not perfect, you know, having a, a entirely white creative team reproducing an art, you know, already popular artists work on Broadway. There's some problems there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a step. Absolutely. It's all women. Yeah. Which is cool. Fun home. Uh-huh. Is that is that it? That was Cronus. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, because waitress. But- uh, right. Yeah, you know we're seeing the upswing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit by bit. Uh, so let's get some women of color, and we'll be really yep. on the right track. Yep. Well, and that's that's the hardest thing, you know, about the and you see it in the discourse these days about people. You know, we're we're quick to fall into the binary of things, right? This is good. Absolutely. This is bad. Or people yep. to make a, a you know assumptions about you based on which way you seem to telegraph, and mm-hmm. it's all so much more complicated. 100%. And you know things that are vectoring in the right direction are worth supporting while also acknowledging their you know room for improvement let's say yeah 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 yeah. you kept me off balance with your charming deflection you kept me distracted couldn't pick this apart what started as union turned to isolation And you are obsessed with your Let's take a bit of time just to kind of unpack some of these 
issues in inverted commas. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think because um, there there is so much like good there's a lot to unpack yeah there's a lot I mean, there is there's a lot to unpack um i think the one i i kind of want to focus on is what we're saying is like the core mm-hmm. storyline which circles around um what happens to bella yeah. and how that affects everyone else um so i think one of the things that i love particularly about it because um uh, first of all i don't think this particular storyline gets talked about Mm-mm. in near enough context in, a, in a, from a musical theater perspective no, not at um, all. particularly from the perspective that they're telling it you know what yeah. i mean like very yeah. on, very honestly just literally having joe and frankie say we believe you right <laughs> you know what i mean in its own right is like right. hugely powerful it's, yeah and depressing that it's a huge powerful step but also uh, does it make it less huge or powerful right it's, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It, it, and it was gr- like when they said that, I was like, "Thank fuck!" You know, what I mean, like, right. you know, what I mean, yeah. I was like, "Yes, you're yeah. getting this. You're telling it right. how it should be told." Right. Um, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think the the relationship between Bella and MJ specifically mm-hmm. is really, really interesting. So, um, again, if if you've not seen the show or looked up the plot by now, do it because there is a, there's a lot going on. Um, uh, Bella um, is sexually assaulted at a college party yeah. um, uh, when she was asleep. There was zero consent yeah. at all. Um, and there was no opportunity for her to give consent. Um, we find out throughout the course of the show um, that MJ, Frankie's mother, mm-hmm. um, at some point in her past, uh, has also had a very similar experience. Yes. Um, and it's looking at the two, I guess, lenses that mm-hmm. you can view this from of a, you know, more, what's the thing before millennials? Uh, that isn't boomers. Are the, is that X? Gen X? I don't know. Like the, the our parent generation, yeah. um, which is a bit more sweeping things under the rug, put on mm-hmm. a happy face yeah. um, than nowadays where we call out bullshit right <laughs> you know what i mean um and looking at the the struggles that parents have with that you know what yeah. i mean and, and how it, they're unpacking their entire life here yeah to get to a stage where they can get it when you see mj so the the way the plot unfolds it turns out uh mj's son nick was in the room when bella was assaulted mm-hmm. and said nothing of it and Nick tells his mom this story, and her first reaction was, "You can tell no one about this." Yeah. Um, even in spite of her own trauma, and she comes on, you know, this journey where eventually she says to Nick, "Like you should say it." And you have to and say And he it. says, "I already did." I already basically. did. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he is like, and I, again, one of the things where I, I think that Vic is really good is that doesn't come without its its price. Yeah. You know what I mean? He sacrifices. Uh, a scholar or potentially sacrifices a scholarship to yeah. harvard and he's um, also not celebrated for it he has an exchange with bella later where she's pissed at him she's absolutely. like it's so it's so fucked up that they didn't believe me but they believe you exactly um, he is not the hero of this piece it's not like thank goodness for right nick it is very much like 
this is how you stood by you know what i mean you didn't do anything here's what you've got which again is so refreshing in terms of storytelling because normally it would be like nick saves the day and bell is really grateful dearman hansen like that is that's the story that we're used to we're not used to your main guy your romantic you know elite guy getting called out for his bullshit right yeah it's and it's a new it's a new storyline and to see it in something uh uh i would say it's a new storyline in its presentation certainly not a new storyline in reality it's not a new storyline no yeah but but the, the honesty and the correctness that is being talked about is to put it on stage is a huge step and to put it on a musical theater stage where we're less good at dealing with in inverted commas issues mm-hmm. um you know what i mean i think it's just very good um but yeah just the, the way that the way that diane paulus is um kind of telling their combined storyline mm-hmm. um and the amount of times that bella comes up in mj's thoughts and vice yep. versa like the fact that mj is brought in to predator mm-hmm. i think is so smart because yeah. a it's it shows that actually Bella's not alone in this. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like Bella yeah. isn't by herself and this isn't a, a problem yeah. that you have to struggle through because right. other people are struggling with it as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also it just helps build this picture of this generational divide. Totally. Well, and it does, you know, if we're talking about, as I've approached the show as like art as a tool, mm-hmm. you can absolutely see the, the mom who brought her daughter to this Alanis Morissette show in new york for you know to celebrate and the conversation they have on the car ride home right 100 percent. and the that this is a way into that conversation yep. is 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 important like monumentally so yeah like mother daughter stuff is but like that's my jam like yeah uh because we don't get enough of it no yeah <laughs> we just don't get enough it's so frustrating but mother daughter is so it's a, a relationship that is not talked about. Weirdly, I've said before, one of the best examples I think is Mamma Mia. To yep. bring that back, but no. it's just not. It's just not talked about well enough. So yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a wonderful, yeah, opportunity. Um, yeah. it does that it, that it gives. The show doesn't for issues it presents, which could stray into stereotypical presentations. Yeah, it doesn't yep. fall into them. Like nope. there's a the. Um, Frankie and Joe's relationship and then adding Phoenix into the mix, allowing Frankie to discover her own bisexuality or at least not discover even. I guess just maybe perhaps discover in the opposite of what we would consider a traditional, traditional is the wrong wrong word, but you understand direction Uh into that kind of queerness. Uh, And then Joe's presentation as genderqueer and, you know, kind of talking about this mold, you know, but, but not after school specialing it um exactly not not sitting down at a desk and like putting a nice bow around it Um, right it's not tidy it's complicated it is so and again this is why i laud the book so much because it it isn't tight and to i think it would be insulting and Mm -hmm. denigrating to gender queer teenagers if they had the gender queer number right exactly you know what i mean i just don't think like why not just give them this really cool pansexual love trio do you know what i mean yeah that is so much better like that's a much more authentic and real thing that i can respond to as opposed to like 
Right. Well, and even uh, who, Steve is Steve the father. Um, Steve, yeah. And no, like yes. Um, and like Steve and Mary Jane's relationship, and like Steve is you know really into porn, um, and like they're kind of struggling with their marriage stuff. Like this is it's. There are ways that these issues are presented, uh, but like through a glossy lens that we've seen before. I would say even uh, in you know something like Next to Normal, something that was still pretty progressive for its time. Yeah. You know, but talking about a marriage that's falling apart, but we're not really going to dive into the specific specifics reasons exactly. why. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because I think we we have we've talked about this before in the show where it's like I wish they would go deeper into this. I mm-hmm. wish they would go deeper into that, and yeah. they don't. It, like Jack a Little Pill isn't necessarily going deeper into it, but it's touching the bases. It's it hitting does, the marks. There is. We do live in this kind of. There's like a level of. Uh, boulderization can i use Mm -hmm. that term like um you know uh uh uh, censoring for the sake of uh propriety of american literature that we just we like live there where you know from the moment where we were really concerned about uh lucille ball talking about being pregnant on television and we weren't allowed to say pregnant and she had to be expecting but everyone knows what she means Right. right like there's just that baseline of like you can't really go all the way to talk about this real thing because people might be offended and like i wonder this with a modern sensibility but i'm also curious about a like of the time sensibility who was gonna be offended if she said pregnant other than (laughs) stupid people like other than people that you shouldn't care about that this isn't for and so and we do this all the time with relationships on television like painting a slightly rosier picture for the benefit of our audience and jaggy little pill for what it's worth does break that mold does shatter that window and i think like talk about the thing mj is a really good example because she is constantly trying to paint that picture she's constantly trying to cover the rose tinted glasses over everyone's eyes to make it seem like they are this lovely perfect family it's the whole framing device for the show we start with her writing the christmas card that's you know here's the great things that are going and we end with her writing the christmas card that's like here's how fuck shit is (laughs) it's all shit yeah Yeah. exactly and i love that like it's yeah it's it's all shit but we're better for it it does it, this is something I have felt in recent months, and I wonder if Jagged Little Pill hit on it just a couple months early. But mm. I do feel like those a lot of those social norms are falling down. Um, I notice it uh, with like I know you've been very dutifully quarantining, but let's pretend you like saw a person in real life, mm-hmm. and the first thing you say to them is hi, and then generally as humans we ask a question. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. Question: Do you ask the human? How's it going? Right? Me too. Yeah. It's like a generic, it, this is how polite conversation happens. And I have noticed people answer that question honestly for the first time yeah. in my existence on this earth. You know, a lot of people say, like, man, I don't know. Or like, good as it can be. Or yeah. oh, today is better. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. And the previous polite assumption would be like, no, no, you don't actually tell people how it's going. You say it's good. It's good. Ah, oh, the weather, right? Like, right. And, and then that's... you have a conversation about it as well afterwards. Right. And, you know, we're starting to see some of these weird social norms break down. Like, yeah. I have had more 
honest conversations with close people in my life about difficult issues in the past four months than I have in my previous 30 years on this earth. You know, 100%. like whether I'm talking with my parents about racism or talking with my boss about how I, you know, don't want to be at school and it's fucked up that we live in this system where, you know, we're teaching now because of all this stuff. And like, this is stuff we didn't include in polite, quote unquote, polite conversation previously, you know? And I, I wonder if Jagged Little Pill has hit on something there. Well, that's it. I mean, when they talk about the show and they talk about what it's about, Mm-hmm. that's what they always say is they say it, it, the the main theme of this show is that you get nowhere unless you're communicating yeah um and it, it like the it's, it's all kind of held in this linchpin of um the song mary jane yeah where steve is basically just saying to mary jane for the first time tell me how you are but yeah. actually tell me how you are i'm here for you and i want to know um like that is the kind of that idea of like yeah you need to communicate if you want anything to happen mm-hmm. communication is key and yeah. when communication breaks down that's when shit hits right. the fan and, and that acknowledging that like polite communication is a breakdown of communication exactly that doesn't count yeah there's a it's difference honesty. between being polite and being honest yeah 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 um so uh, you know i mean like if that's the thing if there was ever a message that we needed for the moment it's a great thing that we're having these conversations like you say that are honest and are open for the first time and that will no doubt do a lot of great healing Mm -hmm. in the longer term you know i mean that is a good positive step that we're all taking yeah you know i mean um so jagged little pill mate nailed it yeah i have you know like i think a lot about like how will future people look back on us um and i also think we have a a new understanding of what the word history means even you know pop music has started in the 80s and we haven't come up with a new term for it since um so who knows how people will name things but i do i would propose and future historians i hope you quote like please if you're listening to this in the far future on your holodeck you're welcome um i think this time in humanity could be termed the great reckoning I think it's a good... I like it. I want to pitch it to you. The Great Reckoning. Okay. Everyone, see, I think that has negative connotations. I See, but I think we're turning what it means. Everyone's reckoning with what's going on. And not... Like, we have, we have this preconceived what connotation. What about awakening? Yeah, but it's not an awakening. Because people are having to unpack their previous... But they're waking up to it. Yeah, but they're some of exiting them the matrix. But some of them aren't. Some of them are dealing with it. You know? Like, I think awakening is too positive because there are people who are still dealing with their own, you know, preconceived insert issue here. Right. Uh huh. And are still finding the way to live in the mire of that as opposed to, you know, like, I think we should begin retiring the term woke because, you know, in the same way you come out the rest of your life, you're never just like woke once. Right. Right. You're always a hundred percent you know, waking up again and again and again. And so that yeah. metaphor falls apart. And yeah. so I think that's why, I don't know, th- think about it. We'll I'll talk think about on it, it Tommy. Time. I'll think on it. Um, <laughs> isn't it strange that the penultimate song of Act 1 is called Wake Up? <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's a great song. It's a great song. This All the songs in this are great. They are. She's very talented. And 
literally hats off to Tom Kitt for turning them into musical theater songs. Yes. yes, we didn't mention that. And I wanted to mention that earlier. Um, it doesn't like it fits so well. They're they're Better's the wrong word. It works. It, you know, it, it stops it from being just a pop album. Do you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. it stops it from like, well, I've got Jagged Little Lil Anna's Marseille. Why do I then want to pick up? Right. Which is kind of the way I feel about Beautiful. Sure. Because I'm like, Jesse Mueller has a lovely voice. Yeah. But so does Carol. Kay. You know, I mean, like mm-hmm. it, that kind of way, but the same with Jersey Boys. You know what I mean? Like it right. doesn't to just the Jersey Boys singing the songs. Right. Why listen this... to this new one? Exactly. Different genders are singing different songs. And, yeah. well, just you some know, of the three the people are singing it. Throw in and, yeah. And yeah. The, the arrangement, like it is, it is the perfect tightrope of honoring the piece as it is while also bringing a new flavor to it. Absolutely. And yeah. that vocal overture is something special. Oh, it's wild. I always, I, and every time I get thrown off for whatever reason, when Spotify starts, you know, it ends the album and is like, and now we'll start a radio based on what you've listened to. It always starts with the overture every time. Oh, and, interesting. And if you do that, put the album on loop, you you wouldn't know. It does, it's, it's a fun little thing, but like it ends and then it goes right back in and you might end up three songs in before you realize you're listening to it again. Yeah. Which and you're really cool. happy because you're listening to it again. Yeah, exactly. It's a good. I think that's a sign of a good structure. Definitely, Jimmy. I think Definitely. you've convinced me to like this show. Yay! I don't need you to love it. I don't need it to be in your top ten. Totally. I just need you yeah. to appreciate it because I think it's special. Yeah, I, I think I do more than I did at the beginning of this podcast, which, you know, great. Add it to the list with cats. Are you enjoying your oat cake? It'll be weird if the oat cake bit didn't make it into the audio bit of the podcast, but now you're eating an oat you're cake now. Right. <laughs> You'll just need to go over to Patreon and subscribe, <laughs> won't you? Um, oh, oh, I just dropped it. Jimmy, that was Jagged Little Pill. It was. It was easier to swallow than I expected. Hey! Do you know what's annoying? <laughs> yeah. Choice what? of Anne. Choice of Ant? Choice of Anne? Oh, he's also annoying. Yeah, why is it? Yeah, but just... Because he had a song called Happy Little Pill. Ah, see? That's like whenever I try to Google Into the Woods, but get Into the Wild stuff. Uh, what's that? Oh, Emil Hirsch. Very yeah. good film. Oh, absolutely. And not what I'm looking for when I Google Into the Woods. <laughs> no. <laughs> Emil Hirsch in Into the Woods 
discuss another day. <laughs> yeah. For today, you have a quiz question for us. I do. do. I do indeed. Hey, the late great talk show host uh, and TV personality, Mr. Regis Philbin, sat in makeup for a whole three hours to play this musical's title character, even though he was never actually cast in the role. What a maze and a mystery. Uh, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, our show Twitter and Instagram is at Jim and Tomic, or drop us an email on our website, jimandtomic.com, J-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M-I-C. And while you are there, you can check out our Patreon uh, if you'd like to financially support the show. Um, thank you once again to all of our wonderful current patrons. Uh, Fabulous we've had people. a lot of new of you coming. Yeah, welcome, friends. Yep, since we started our brand new video podcast, uh, Last Call, um, which you can see if you hop on over to our Patreon um, and pledge uh, into our $5 tier over there. Um, yeah, we're going to be keep going. They're a lot of fun. I had a they're, lot of fun, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they're tons of fun to watch. Um, but most of all, uh, some of the best support you can give to us is telling your friends and people about this podcast or leaving us a review in iTunes or your favorite podcaster of choice. Whenever I'm having a down day, reading reviews on iTunes really, really helps bring up my spirits. It's always that's a blast. It's true, always a blast. Indeed. Um, but hey, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Tommy, cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've talked about matrixes. You've talked about vectoring. What is I'm this math, math teacher. that you're bringing I'm me? I'm a math teacher, baby.